God's grace, which is his undeserved love, and his mercy, which is that love put into action in our lives, and his peace, which is the result of that love. They are yours through faith in Christ our Savior. Amen. You know who the hardest person to look at is? And as you're thinking about all the ugly people in this world that you don't want to have to look at, let me just rest assured, it's yourself. The hardest person to truly look at, especially with a critical eye, it's yourself. Now, there are a couple different ways you can understand that phrase about being hard to look at you. The first way is that physically, it is actually impossible to look at your own face. Have you thought about this? It keeps me up at night sometimes. You were born and blessed with two outward-looking eyes. And do you realize that you will live your entire life and you will never truly see your face? Now, I get it. You've seen reflections of your face. You have seen digital images of your face. But your eyes cannot see you. So think about that for a while. So for that reason, it's the hardest person to see is, is yourself, but without getting bogged down in that kind of interesting concept, there's another way to understand that phrase. The hardest person to truly look at is yourself. Meaning sometimes we do not want to look inside of ourselves because we already know what's lurking within we don't like to take that analytical or critical view of ourselves because we already in the back of our minds know about the warts that exist, about the issues that we probably are going to find but we choose to not think about. We already know about the skeletons in the closet. We already know about the things that we have long ago decided to try and forget about and it's so much easier to look at others. So what are we going to do today? In this series that's called Grace Wins, we're going to take a collective look at ourselves. And we're going to see, yes, even as we analyze ourselves, our inner thoughts, that which makes us tick, grace still wins, even over my most personal battle. So now you have to buckle in and listen as I read to you an incredibly long section from God's Word. You see it printed for you in your worship folder. And it starts with Romans chapter 7, verse 7, and goes all the way to Romans chapter 8, verse 17. And as I read it to you, I want you just to follow the train of thought. But then when you see the words that are in bold, maybe give special attention to those words as those will be the words that I'm going to focus on in the message. What shall we say then? 
Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law, for I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire, for apart from law, sin is dead. Once I was alive apart from law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. But in order that sin might, recogni- sin might be recognized as sin, it produced death in me through what was good, so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do, no. The evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, 
but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to God. He does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we also may share in his glory. It's the word of God. Wow, that's a long reading, guys. But so rich in content. And one thing that is clear is that everyone here is battling something. And I want you to be able to put down your guard just for a moment and be real with yourself. Take that critical look at yourself and admit, yes, we're battling something. Now, I get it. It's our nature right now to put on that tough guy facade and be as if nothing can affect us. We like to play the the role of the one who's like Teflon and everything just bounces off of us, nothing sticks to us, and, and we don't have real issues that are weighing us down. But for right now, be honest about what you're battling against. Because I can say with 100% certainty, the person to the right and the left, the person to the front and to the back, that they're going through something right now. And some of the most common battles, relationship battles. I can guarantee you that there is a relationship in your life, if not multiple, that you are struggling with, whether it's that professional relationship that you just can't seem to get right with your coworkers or your boss. Or perhaps hitting more closer to home that personal relationship, whether it's the spouse that you're struggling with, whether it's the child or grandchild that you're struggling with, whether it's the brother or the sister, the cousin, the aunt, the uncle, we have battles. Maybe it's not relationship. Maybe you're having that battle with food and drink or with addictions. Maybe you're having that battle with that thing that you just can't say no to and you know is not good for you and yet you find yourself indulging time and time again and then you beat yourself up about it. And then we have battles with society and culture. 
You know when you're going through your Netflix account and you're, you're thinking, what am I going to watch today? And you read the summary of the item that looks intriguing and you say, this really looks good. I've heard a lot of people tell me about it. This probably is not going to feed my Christian faith very well. Watch. We're battling. But here's the thing. All of those battles pale in comparison to the battle we'll talk about right now. I want you to see yourself. I want you to look inside of yourself and I want you to look with a critical eye and you will see that what the Apostle Paul describes in his own life is the exact same thing that you're going through. And what it is is the ugly result of living with sin. In the section that's highlighted, we hear these words. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. You see, the Apostle Paul, he's already setting the stage for people knowing that there's a battle, and he wants you to be braced for that battle, but he also knows that we have a tendency, because of our own sinfulness, to identify the wrong enemy. And so the greater context of this section is the Apostle Paul doing what we often do. When we feel like we've been caught red-handed, we want to blame someone other than ourselves. And so there are even some people who are going to say, according to the Apostle Paul, you know what the real problem is, God? It's your stinking law. If you wouldn't have given us the law, we never would have fallen into sin. which the Apostle Paul very clearly says, the law is perfect and right and holy. The law didn't cause you to sin, but you know what the law does? It very clearly shows us our sin. And so having been stripped bare of that excuse, he then says, let me talk about the real battle. As we now each individually Take a look at ourselves. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. For what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree, the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Does that sound familiar? Even if you can make it through that section without getting tongue-tied, and you can actually think through what Paul is saying. Does it sound familiar? And the answer I'm going to say for you is yes. Because what he's describing is the battle, the most personal battle that every Christian struggles with. It's not the battle with society. 
It's not the battle with someone on the outside. It's the battle with our sinful nature. And you can just sense in these words the tension of the Apostle Paul as he simply lays out on paper what you and I feel so often. It's going to God and saying, God, I just, it's driving me crazy, God, because there are so many things that I want to do as a child of God and I want to live for you and I want to carry out the commands and I want to be your precious child. I want to be your shining example and yet the very things I want to do, I find myself doing the complete opposite. And we say, yep, I get it. Because when we take that quick look at ourselves and then the even more in-depth examination of ourselves, we see this very real battle playing out in our lives every day. And thank God we're taking the time to look at it. You see, we came by this battle naturally. That's what the first words that are highlighted say. I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. We are playing the hand that we were dealt. When we talk about the fall into sin under Adam and Eve and the effects in the world and the fact that original sin now plagues us and we see it passed on from generation to generation, ladies and gentlemen, we have passed on a battle to all Christians of the future. We're born not caring about God's will at all, and yet when the Holy Spirit brings us to faith, now the battle begins. And we see ourselves with the Apostle Paul reaching the point of frustration because the things I know I shouldn't do, oh, but those are the things I do. And the things I want to do? Nope. I find myself so often ignoring those. You see, the battle is real. The Apostle Paul is not describing a psychological condition. He's not saying that every Christian is a natural schizophrenic or has multiple personality disorder. He's describing something far more challenging. He's saying every Christian has this ongoing battle between his sinful nature and his new redeemed self. And this battle is so intense that it can almost give, get us to the point where we want to cry out in complete and utter frustration and even despair, how in the world could we possibly win? And so the Apostle Paul He reaches that point when he, the chosen Apostle Paul, chosen by God's grace to be a spokesman to many nations, someone who is frequently looked on as the example of a godly man, he reaches the point to say, what a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body of death. Have you been there? Have you in your Christian walk gotten to that point where you've wanted to throw down 
the Bible and say, nuts to this. It's just not worth it. I've tried, Lord. I've tried to live my life for you. But what a wretched man I am. Who is going to possibly save this? Because I don't want to look at myself anymore and see the pain and see the failures and see the lacking of ability to carry out your will. We reach that point of exhaustion. But grace still wins. Which is why we're talking about this today. Because this is such a real battle but there's a real victory to be found. And where the Apostle Paul finds the victory is where you and I will find it too. It's no longer looking within us, but looking outside of us. So I'm glad you took the time to look deeply at yourself, to take that good, hard look and see the battle that's raging in you. I'm glad you took the time to see your deficiencies because of what sin does. But now, with the Apostle Paul, let's lift our eyes from ourselves to where the victory can be found. It's in God's grace. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's almost as if at that moment the Apostle Paul took his eyes off the mirror and lifted up to the cross. He took his eyes off of himself and said, there is no way I can possibly live with the satisfaction and comfort of knowing I'm saved if all I do is look at myself. And then he looked to the cross and he said, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ my Lord. You see, the battle is real, but the victory is secure. Grace wins. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's so many times in our lives where we talk about God's grace and the work of Jesus Christ that it almost becomes such a flippant statement. But think about what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying that in the rage of our battle with our sinful nature, we will not find security, but we will find it in Christ Jesus our Lord. Think about that word in. We're finding our security inside the sphere of everything that Christ has done for us. Who could possibly rescue us? How could grace possibly win? We put ourselves in the sphere of everything Christ is. That means we're putting ourselves in the sphere of the one who became our brother perfectly. The one who went toe-to-toe with the devil and came out victorious. The one who was tempted like you and I but did not give in a single time. The one who took our sins upon him and then paid the price. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Savior. In Him, we are washed in grace. And the victory is secure. Sometimes people have said that the worst kind of war 
that a country could ever see is a civil war. Because no matter who dies in a civil war, it's a casualty for that own land, that own country. And I think we would agree that when we're looking at the war that rages within us, we see that the casualty is horrible. The casualty is us. We find ourselves suffering because of the sins of our past, the sins of our present. And we see them mount up and we say, how, Lord, how, Lord, could we possibly overcome this? And then we look to Christ and we realize that grace still wins. Well, if that's true about war, then let's close our thoughts this morning with a fitting battle cry. A battle cry that I want you to take with you as you fight this battle with your sinful nature time and time again. And the battle cry, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. May that be the words that you wake up to every morning and go to bed every morning. Grace wins. We see it in Christ. We see it even in our most personal battle. No more condemnation, for we are in Christ. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, may it guard your hearts and minds in Jesus our Lord. Amen.